Hello, everybody. My name is Casey Lee, and this is me talking to people. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Casey Lee, and this is me talking. I just repeated the exact same introduction. Uh, this is uh, Casey Talks to People, the podcast where I talk to people. And I do say good afternoon because the episode that you listened to last week, I recorded it on the exact same day in the morning. So good afternoon. It is around 3 p.m. on September 16th, 2019. I don't know why I date these podcasts as they make them not timeless, and especially since they're not really that relevant by the time they come out. I mean, they're, they're probably still relevant, but whatever. I'm going to stop babbling about that. Uh, the one thing I want to mention is is this past weekend was a pretty historical moment for Ottawa. We did have the Ottawa LRT finally open after years of delay. Maybe not years of delay, but I think, is it years of delay? Do you remember? Is it years of delay? Mm. Yeah. It was delayed. (laughs) It it was delayed, whatever it was. It was a long delay. Uh, I I heard, like, sometimes, like, I heard some some articles that was 30 years in the making or something like that. Uh, Really long. Um, But with all that out of the way, the LRT actually did launch this weekend, and I wrote it. Uh, and it was awesome. Wrote it with my wife and a couple friends. Uh, we had a great time. We're, we're very excited when local things bring people together. And uh, this was a good example of that. And it was great. I loved it. The, the stations were amazing. Uh, the carriages themselves were, were not anything to write home about, but pretty nice and clean. Um, but it's a very exciting time to be in Ottawa. Um, the one thing I have to say that I'm excited about, about the LRT is that obviously it's simpler for the passenger. I've always been one of these people who's been nervous on the bus. Like, oh, should I pull the stop thing? I remember the first time I rode a bus in Ottawa. Um, I I remember getting on and not realizing that buses were not circular, that their routes were not circular. They're like, you're either going to Saint Laurent or you're going to the other way. And I just stayed on the bus to the end. Like, no, you got to get off now. So I like that light rails are a little bit easier to figure out. Uh, you don't have to pull the thing to stop; they stop everywhere. Um, you know, really happy about that. And obviously for the city, it's 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 pretty nice because it fits more people. It frees up, you know, lanes for drivers, and that's all really good stuff. So um, definitely want to hear your guys' thoughts. I I, I mean. Not that many people write in, but uh, if you're in the Ottawa area, you've written up the LRT, definitely let me know uh, what your thoughts and feelings are. But that is not why we're here today. Today, we are here to talk with my guest. Um, And it's it's very fortunate, actually, the day that I happen to be interviewing my guest right now, because uh, I actually met my previous guest through my current guest. Go (laughs) figure that one out. Okay. So I first met my guest uh, when I was asked to do some work at Ellsberg. I was working at Teldeo at the time, which was a Canada company, uh, part of the Wesley Clover family. And um, this guy named Pat White was asking me to kind of uh, meet with him to do some video work. And so I I can't, it was like a some random afternoon, I strolled over to uh, Leggett Drive, well, through the building, knocked on the door, and uh, Pat wasn't there. But who did greet me uh, was my guest. I have a very vivid memory of, of meeting her for the first time there. Uh, it was in the Elspark office. It was completely empty. I had no idea what was going on. Uh, and she said, uh, I don't really know what Pat's envisioning, um, but... You know, we're kind of doing some video stuff. I don't remember what exactly what she said, but I have a very vivid memory of meeting her for meeting her for the first time. Then what happened is it started this amazing working relationship. Her um, and Lucy Scrancy and myself and eventually Tim Clark, we actually had this foursome of this uh, great video team, great marketing team, producing really, really awesome stuff and producing projects that I'm still very, very proud of today and are some of my favorite projects that I've ever worked on. Now, at the end of, I believe, the fourth cohort or so of L-Spark, um, we were we went to this event, 
And she came over to let me know that she was moving on to her next big adventure, which was uh, ultimately president and executive director of Canada North BIA. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce my guest who I haven't caught up with since I think then, uh, Jamie Patton. Hi, Casey. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm great. Um, You mentioned today, you know, it's an opportune day. It's my first day back in the office at Canada North BA uh, from maternity leave. So I'm happy to be here with a familiar face and um, excited to reminisce on uh, some of the good times and share a bit about my journey with you. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it is it is kind of cool actually to get you on your first day back in Canada North. Um, that's because you've been on maternity leave. Mm-hmm. Um, now you actually uh, wrote a post about deciding to be a CEO and a mother at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that all about, and what kind of inspired that? And and was it even like was it a tough decision? I mean, I, I'll admit I saw the headline, but I didn't read the full article. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was that all about exactly? I um, so. You know, the last time we caught up, I was transitioning out of my role at Elspark as the director of marketing, and I had been there uh, as a founding member of the team growing the Accelerator program. It was an amazing experience, um, and I, you know, it, it just, I enjoyed every minute of growing a business that also supported other growing businesses. Um, but I just felt, you know, that I was ready to take on a greater challenge, ready to re- really lead a team um, and challenge myself, you know, to have the full ownership over um, a, a strategy, a mandate, a budget, and a team. Um, I was presented with this amazing opportunity at Canada North BA. Um, the board uh, were, you know, e- eager to have me come on board. And um, at the same time as my uh, final interview with the board <laughs> within the same week. Uh, my husband and I found out we were expecting. That's crazy. <laughs> um, That's so crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. Uh, I, I <laughs> like what was going through your mind? Was was it was it a oh whoa what what timing? I like what or was it was it pretty clear what you were going to do? Like oh of course I'm going to take the job and like, <laughs> no no it wasn't it wasn't very clear. Um, so I've been with my husband. We're high school sweethearts. We've been together for a very long time, and he's been very supportive of me through my career. Uh, and you know we're married now uh, and and happy happily married. But as we made you know that kind of transition into a new chapter into married life, the prospect of of having kids started to become more and more uh, present within our com- our day-to-day conversations. Right. I've always envisioned having a family with him. I couldn't wait to have kids with him. But at the same time, I've been very um, career-focused. And I'll, I think a lot, and so because I've had the benefit of having a really supportive partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at around that time, um, I knew I was hitting a wall uh, in my career. I just knew I needed uh, to personally grow. Um, but my husband and I were also having like pretty deep conversations about what what would be next. You know, what's the what would be the timing of when we wanted to start trying to have kids. Um, and I, I guess you know, just to be completely frank with you, I hit um, a, a stage of burnout. I had worked really hard for a really long period of time and um, and I kind of hit a wall and it put a lot of things into perspective for me. And uh, and so those conversations of 
of when and if and now or later um, all kind of came flooding into the forefront. Right, uh, and right. it, and that wall of burnout happened in, in the form of a, a very minor but a health crisis. And, um, and so it inevitably forced me to kind of just take a leap of faith and say to my husband, you know, now uh, let's let's start trying and and whatever's meant to be will be um, but over the course of us trying over you know a couple of months and um, and me also kind of doing some soul searching uh, around what I wanted to do next in my career I really uh, started to have to gut check you know what my priorities were and and start thinking about how to prioritize both um, so it I feel like um, all of that to say, when the moment came that I was, you know, taking a meeting with the board um, and also, you know, finding out that I was pregnant at the same time, while I kind of, my head swirled and I, I didn't know how to approach the situation, I felt as though I was ready. Um, I I, um, I just felt like I was ready to dive in. Yeah. And what will be will be. I had a renewed uh, kind of perspective on how to prioritize the work aspect of things in my career um, while also making space for a new part of my life, which, you know, was my family. I mean, what were the alternatives that you were considering at the time? Were you considering potentially staying with Spark or potentially not taking a job at all at that point? Um, like, I, I wasn't considering alternatives to Elspark. Right. Um, you know, I, I think... I had endless opportunity to grow there yeah. um, if, if I had, you know, continued to dig in. Um, this opportunity, though, really spoke to me. Yeah. And um, and I was just ready to grow in a new capacity. Yeah. Uh, and the fear of the unknown, I kind of just leaned right into. Right. It's, it's crazy, actually, because, um, you know, uh, again, previous guest Aaron Blasky, uh, was talking. I was asking her about why she made the switch from running this 14-year business to Elspark, mm-hmm. and it seemed very similar. She had hit a very tough time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she had hit a wall, uh, was experiencing burnout, mm-hmm. and you know, it really kind of put things in perspective for her, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and but she was also saying that like, like, it's unfortunate, right, that it kind of has to come to that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I mean, did you? I mean, did you realize you were hitting this? I mean, was it was it like just kind of gradually it happened? No, mean, it hit me in an instant, um, and I won't go into too much detail. Sure, sure. But you know, I, I was traveling, and um, I, as I was traveling, ended up having a, a health crisis. Yeah. and I was lucky my husband was with me because you know, very similar to my personality, I was trying to do everything all at once. Yeah, yeah, um, and so you know, he was there to support me. Um, but it, it just, it all kind of hit me at once. Right, and right, right. so sometimes, you know, while those aren't the most ideal ways in which you want to experience, um, uh, these things, it, it, it forces you to kind of stop and take stock of things and perspective, um, understand what it is that you're, um, you know, truly trying to drive towards. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I'm, I think, I think the, obviously the fortunate thing about all this is that, you know, uh, we're talking to you on the other side of it, you know, and, and mm-hmm. have come out, you know, finding, uh, some of that balance and, and hopefully, you know, not experiencing that again. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I think, I think it is, it is tough. I mean, I, it's something that I, I'll admit that I have not personally experienced, um, mm-hmm. you know, burnout or anything like that. I, 
if anything, I should probably be working a little bit harder. <laughs> um, but it does seem to be something that is under under addressed or represented, right? Mm-hmm. That's like, um, you know, when you are running your own thing or you're starting to build something, there is this mentality of like, you got to hustle. You know, you got you to work way more than, than 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. You got to be on your phone all the time, right? And like... It's so true. And, and, you know, everything I've just said probably sounds uh, contradictory in that I, you know, I hit burnout and then I decided to have a baby and be a CEO (laughs) at the same time. So like to any normal person, that wouldn't make any sense. Um, It would sound overwhelming. But to me, it um, I I never wanted to lose the part of myself where I continued to pursue my passions and my personal growth. Um, However, uh, focusing on my family was new and um, and it was it it has become a space that I've carved out that's really sacred to me now. Um, it's it's that kind of safe place that I can you know go to at home um, and just you know absorb as much support and give back as much support as I can in my family. Um, and I just wasn't doing that before. And like thank God for my husband because he was like so loyal and so loving and supportive through all of those like, 50, 60, 70 hour work weeks. And that, I mean, this is way before Ellspark too. I, um, previous to that built, a, uh, or contributed to building a boutique hotel in oh. Jamaica for four years, um, privately owned by a couple here in Ottawa who decided to buy a bunch of acres on the cliffs of Negril and, and build a bunch of hotels on it, uh, hotel rooms. And, um, and it's just in, intrinsic in me. Like once I've committed to a project, I feel like I just dive in a hundred percent. And I find that in the early parts of your career, if that is in your DNA that you just, you want to achieve, um, it can be a really slippery slope to just put your whole self into the jobs that you're in. Um, what, what do you think that is exactly? Do you think it's, it's just because you want it to succeed so badly? Is it because... I think it's a combination of things. I mean, I have an insatiable desire to learn and to like learn more and more and build upon my own personal capacity to contribute and feel as though I've made an impact on the business and the project that I'm a part of. Um, that's just, I, I feel as though I have a commitment towards that when I'm working within a business. And, um, and I think too, like you're young and a bit insecure. And so you feel you have to prove your worth Yeah, totally. over and over and over. Right. Um, and so mom or CEO, why not both? Uh, well, because I had come to a point in my life where I wasn't, um, willing to sacrifice that side of my life any longer in order to only wholly focus on the business component of who I am. Right, right, right. Um, and, and I think, you know, I'm all the better for that, um, you know, wall of burnout that I faced because I've um, worked on, you know, becoming more of a whole person as opposed to just a businesswoman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you, do, do you notice the benefit that like, like when you decided to make that decision and focus, you know, on things other than the business, uh, did you really start to notice a change? Yeah. And I think it, it, you know, it even, it benefited the businesses with which I was, um, uh, a leader in, um, in having the confidence to bring in, you know, team members and trust in their ability to get things done uh, with or without my, you know, critical oversight. Um, and, uh, and, and really, in, it transitioned into a, a different 
form of, I guess, leading. Um, and now, you know, the focus for me is in just doing what I can to support the people that are working with me so that they can be successful. Um, and I hope that I can continue to kind of impact people's lives in, in that way. And so as opposed to focusing on just the kind of how do we get the business off the ground, it's how do, how do I help others to know how to get a business off the ground or to know how to make a business thrive. Do you find do you find also that you're at a point in your life where you're pretty confident in who you are and what you have to offer and you don't you no longer really need to prove that to people and, and again work like the crazy hours? Like are you at that point now, do you think? Um I think I'm at a point where I understand what I need to do in order to make um things happen and, and to make them um, accomplish them well. And, and I, now I think understand more that like sending an email at midnight isn't going to really productively contribute to that in the way that I thought it would when I was younger. Um, no, I, I think no matter what role I take and whether it, you know, it's in this role right now or in future, um, I'm always going to feel like I have a bit to to proof. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like I just, I want to contribute and um, and do things well when I'm uh, given the opportunity to be in a role such as these. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that part ever goes away. It's just about honing it yeah. and having a greater amount of experience to know that you know with each day comes a more contribution and it all adds up to a good result. It it is really crazy actually how lost we do get in it because I think like so I, I never used to be part of this world this whole startup entrepreneur world like it was mm-hmm. never in my cards like for a, the longest time I was very much a nine to fiver I thought I was going to stay at the company that I started working at like all my life and just grow and actually whatever mm-hmm. and it wasn't until like again around 2011 that uh, this world kind of hit me a little bit mm-hmm. and. And it's funny because like it, it is crazy how much it takes over your life in the sense that like um, so me and like one of my best friends, uh, you know, we, we meet a lot to talk about startup ideas and we work together and stuff like that. And and every now and then we, we get together and we don't talk about it. We don't talk about business. We don't talk about startups. We don't talk about the tech world. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whoa, I've forgotten what this is like. Mm-hmm. And every now and then in the past couple of years, I've gone to visit you know, again, some friends in Montreal and stuff like that. And, you know, they're, they're not in the same Ottawa tech world as me. So we don't really talk about that stuff. And we just talk about like movies and all this stuff. And it's, it's, it's funny how refreshing it is. You know, you, you get out of it and now, and then after a weekend like that, all you want to do is go back to that and you forget about the tech world or whatever. Um, so it is, it is kind of like crazy how encompassing it becomes, Mm -hmm. you know, with you. And I mean, you, you've obviously been in a role uh, both at Elspark and Canada North uh, Business Association, that you are surrounded by a lot of these people, mm-hmm. right? Do you do you see that a lot? Do you do you see the signs of burnout a lot? Um, mm-hmm. Like, what what is your experience there? Like, is, is it a is it a pretty prevalent problem? Or I think so. I mean, I think we all have joined in this business community and um, you know d- decided to pursue careers because we all similarly want to achieve great things and contribute to the greater um, good of, um, you know, building amazing technology or um, building things that will create an impact in our lives and in our communities. So um, with that, though, then comes the that DNA, DNA piece of wanting to achieve and working hard. And I think there's something insatiable about being a part of a company at the early stages and just, you know, seeing your impact 
day to day to day. Every single day is a, is a better day than the one before. Even if it's a, if everything's blowing up, you know you're making progress, right? Um, and there's just something um, amazing. There's like a magic there that um, we're only lucky to be able to experience in our our careers in our lifetime. Um, but yeah, I think I think as a result on the opposite side of that, you know, day over day over day over day, unless we um, are supportive of one another and start to speak more openly about the fact that like, hey, go take take some time and be with your family, you know, take a vacation, do whatever you need to do, or even just like find a hobby, find a side hustle, find something that um, just moves your mind into uh, a different space for a little while. Um, we'd all be a little better for it. Yeah. One thing, uh, I, I actually didn't realize what you to literally just talking right now, uh, is that entre- entrepreneurial kind of bug in you. I, I, I had no idea you were involved in this Jamaican hotel. <laughs> uh, and I didn't, I didn't realize what attracted you to Elspark actually was the idea of building. It. I, I really yeah. didn't know that. Where, where did that all, where did do you, do you know where this entrepreneurial bug started? I mean, was this kind of a high school university thing or was it out like, I mean, where did you go to school? I, I grew up in Canada. Yeah. Um, born in Toronto, but didn't spend much of my life there. Uh, grew up in Canada, went to high school in Canada, um, attended the University of Ottawa, took communications. Um, I didn't start with a communications degree. I started with a psychology degree. Okay. And, did you know what um, you were kind of doing at that point or what you were pursuing at that point? No, not yeah. really. <laughs> not, not like... Not many completely. people do. Um, but I, I, my parents instilled a really strong work ethic into both my sister and I. And um, so from a young age, I, I had a job. And, right. and many people do. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't, though. Yeah, true. true. But, <laughs> I didn't for a long time. <laughs> um, we definitely did if we wanted to go to the movies or okay, buy yeah. clothes or whatever the case was. Yeah. We were working. So... Um, yeah, I I, uh, I started with the company that um, that subsequently I ended up working on the build of the hotel. Um, very early in my university career, I was um, taking communications, and I I have always been the type of person that you know wanted to um, plan events or you know just in in high school same thing. Uh, I did a lot of that kind of stuff. So it's very in line with what you ended up doing at Elspark. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when I was working with this company, I was in a marketing role, just doing some local marketing. The founders of the company, they own two day spas in Ottawa um, that uh, have over 100 employees between the two locations. They are over 20 years old and have been in business for like the businesses are over 20 years old. Um, and so local marketing stuff like uh, pedicures are yeah. this much this month or we're hosting you know this special event like we're, in we're this creating, like, posters and stuff that and, kind of yeah, email yeah. marketing yeah. um uh loyalty programs for our customers and and then my role kind of evolved and as i was graduating university the owners um were husband and wife team and they took a bunch of their equity from those businesses as well as some of their personal um wealth and um purchase this land in Jamaica. They um, loved the culture of Jamaica, loved the island, and I think it envisioned originally that they were going to retire there. But the husband's an architect, uh, and the wife is an operator, and um, he got down there before she could and drew out this 18 private villa resort, restaurant and spa, and um, then turned to her with the drawings and said, like, how do we make this happen? Right. <laughs> and she was like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> 
do we want to make this happen? So um, the the team of 100 people at the spas in Ottawa are just the most amazing women, 99 women, one man, um, that you'll ever meet. And they are incredible in terms of the traits uh, and services, you know, and technical skills that they offer. But there just wasn't that, like, business, um, marketing, communications skill in-house. Yeah. Uh, and so they turned to 21-year-old me <laughs> and asked if I wanted to kind of join them on this journey. Um, Were you at that time... Um, graduating university. Like, did you know you wanted to kind of get into yeah. marketing? Oh, I, oh, no. I was already like 100% in. Okay. I was... Um, any any opportunity that they were going to offer, I was ready to take on. Oh, yeah. And so when they said like you know, we'd love for you to start contributing, um, to the business in Jamaica. I was uh, just enamored. I was really? so wow. excited. My parents were terrified. No, I was going to say no worries of risk or anything or like, um, yeah, like, so, so like, was the, the job based in Ottawa? No, you just said you moved to Jamaica. No, I, I didn't move. I, I was there quarterly for weeks at a time, okay. uh, over the course of three, four years, about 12 times. Yeah. And, um, our, so our corporate, corporate, <laughs> me headquarters um was in ottawa marketing sales um business development uh everything from you know building our initial website to partnering with online tour operators like expedia and booking.com to you know our our trip advisor account and the um pr that i would do to respond to all the travelers responses that kind of stuff all happened here in ottawa and then um, the operations were on the ground in Jamaica. Right. Did um, you know what you were kind of doing? No, 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 none of us did. We had no idea. We just kind of every day was a new day. And that's yeah, yeah. the thing. It's like it's insatiable when you're starting a new business right. because as a young person, especially like I don't know anything yeah. about starting a business. So to have the opportunity to learn day over day over day how to market and sell and build partnerships and channel um and then, you know, be in Jamaica in a completely different culture, building a team. We have a t- had a team of up to 30 people when all was said and done. Hiring, firing, unfortunately, at some times. Um, you know, putting the property management system in place, the POS to the, um, you know, cloud-based system that would communicate our rooms to me back in Canada. So... Like every single day was a different day. Did your did your bosses kind of know uh, this is the first time they've kind of done something yeah, like that? Yeah. yeah. So uh, even they were kind of new to this. Creating a business plan, pitching it to BDC, um, getting loans from the Jamaican National Bank. Like wow. all of that was a new, every day was a new day. That's crazy. And it was so fun. So um, one of the things that they are incredible at is in in service services and um so building a team of people who are the best of and what they do in offering whether it's restaurant or spa services or you know hospitality services and um and so from the very beginning we focused on TripAdvisor and we focused on uh the brand and the reputation that we could build one customer at a time and um and, so what, know, what do you mean you focus on TripAdvisor? Just was, on the guest experience okay. and on what their um, what their feedback would be okay. when they would leave. That right, was right, it. Right. Just customer experience. Um, and so you know, from the minute that a guest would come on the property 
to the minute they would leave, every staff knew their first and last name, wow. would would get catered to whatever they needed. Um, and then, you know, we would hope that they would put a TripAdvisor response afterwards. This was before we had any brand or um, had any credibility to even be on Expedia or Booking.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so over that kind of first initial from the day our gates opened to the first nine months, um, we just every customer, every person that stayed with us, we asked to put a TripAdvisor review and they were 100% positive. Right. Um, within the first year, we were the number one hotel in Negril, Jamaica on TripAdvisor. That's crazy. And we had built up that credibility and that reputation and we're ready to start pitching channel tour operators. Right. Um, and uh, that was another arduous process of determining profit margins. Was it, I mean, I I hear that story. And the first thing that comes to mind is like, if other startups learn from that, they're like, uh, yeah, let's, let's obviously let's give the customer the best experience they can. But obviously the first hurdle they run into is like, well, that is, yeah, a lot of money (laughs) and effort and people and all this stuff. So like, how did you guys pull that off exactly? Hmm. We were like 11% occupied in the first year. <laughs> okay, okay. We had no money. Yeah. Um, and we did everything we could to just make it as personal of an yeah. experience for the few guests that were there as possible. But you know what's funny? And that, that's the exact same strategy like uh, that apparently Airbnb took. Mm-hmm. Like when they had so few customers, mm-hmm. they just treated them like kings Family. And, and things that they couldn't scale. Yeah. Because you had such a small customer base. And that's all, we, that's all we needed to do was just focus on the customer because there weren't that many. Yeah. And if they had an incredible experience, they would, you know, refer others or at least have good things to say. Right. Um, you know, lots of loans from the bank and yeah. um, fingers and toes crossed. And uh, and then banking on the fact that, you know, we would get approved by those channels um, once we built up that reputation and the credibility. And luckily we did. Um, the You know, there was a lot of, different conversation around how much we were willing to give up at that point though, because now you go into the negotiation of commissions and um, profit margins, et cetera. But we did. And all of a sudden done by year two and a half in the high season, we were 80% occupied and um, in the low season, like 60 and everything changed then. Then it was like an operational nightmare. <laughs> we were not built for scale. <laughs> like, That's not at funny. all. Like, we was not expecting that part of the story. Oops. Like, yeah, yeah. so we, you know, we were tracking things in the, uh, like, restaurant requisitions to room nights, pen to paper. Oh, wow. Um, wow okay. And so that was my first foray into, you know, really uh, researching cloud based technologies because I needed to be able to communicate and manage team that was remote in Jamaica from Canada. Um, how could I do that while on, you know, a very small budget? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so we, you know, I, I looked up everything from Oracle to like the SaaS based $200 a month um, solution. And we ended up going with a, a software as a service that was know. 200 and something a month and within our budget. And, um, you know, I was on on property, implementing the whole thing, uh, working on our process procedures, the, you know, how the staff were trained on the software, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I kind of hit a wall cause we got to the point where, you know, revenue was coming in the door. Um, online brand was 
amazing. Like we're still the number one hotel in Jamaica on TripAdvisor. If you look it up like and, to this day. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, good, and, good happy ending. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now process and procedure was in place and the team were all up to speed and people were working together and they, you know, liked each other most days. Yeah. So I got bored and, and there wasn't much more opportunity for me to scale. You know, most people would then sit back and have a pina colada. <laughs> enjoy <laughs> and the just success. enjoy it, you yeah, know. Yeah. Now a business is running smoothly, but I was young and ready to take on a new adventure. So I'm from Canada and um, I had heard of Wesley Clover and just in knowing, you know, the Canada North Tech Park, but not knowing much beyond that, um, I just started banging on the doors of Wesley Clover. Okay. I emailed um, their info account and um, called Nana, who was at the front desk a bunch of times, and she ended up introducing me to Pat. And timing is everything in life. And at the time, Pat and Leo were getting ready to launch Elspark. So I you know, I guess I had emailed so many times that he's thought I'll, I'll give this girl from a spa (laughs) (laughs) a coffee. Um, and, uh, yeah. And it just, that's kind of how things worked out. Cool. Cool. Mm -hmm. All right. We're going to take a short break. We're here talking with Jamie Petten. We'll do some unpaid advertisements, but be right back. And now for a segment called Unpaid Advertisements. If you don't know what the deal is, go listen to past episodes and you know what the deal is. Jamie, have you ever played an escape room before? I haven't. You have not? No. So this is funny because I actually advertise another escape room product uh, with Steve Cody and he had not either. So if you have not played an escape room, first of all, try one. They're Mm -hmm. very fun. Mm -hmm. Very, uh, I mean, do you like puzzles? Mm-hmm. Okay, if you like puzzles and you like intrigue and if you ever like dreamed about being like a detective or code breaker, uh, escape rooms are awesome. Lots in Ottawa, obviously. Um, they're all the rage right now or maybe all the rage two years ago, whatever. Uh, they're still pretty popular, I think, right now. Um, but if you want to take the fun of an escape room back home, you can now do that. So there's a lot of companies now who have capitalized on escape rooms and made kind of board game versions of escape rooms. They're really good. We've already advertised a company called Unlock, um, but there's another brand that I'm a huge fan of and it's called Exit the Game. So Exit the Game is a take-home escape room. It's really cool. You open this box and you're cutting up things and you're folding things and you're solving mysteries and you're working with your friends uh, for sometimes two, three hours. Uh, It's a really long time. You can even uh, download an app that plays creepy music while you're doing it and it makes you very unnerved which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but all adds to the atmosphere exit the game uh, is made by a company called Cosmos you can check out their website at www.thamesandcosmos.com that's T-H-A-M-E-S A-N-D-K-O-S-M-O-S dot com alright sometimes I don't know if you have this problem sometimes it's really hard to decide what to have for breakfast what do you eat for breakfast on a regular basis? Granola bar. Oh, this is kind of, kind of in line. exciting. Kind of in line with what we're dealing with here. I have a tough choice. I ate cereal for a long time. Mm. Um, I, as, obviously, as a kid. But even to this day, I think I'm one of the few adults who still eat cereal. Um, I recently realized that cereal is not exactly the most healthy thing to eat. So sometimes I have some egos, and egos are apparently more healthy than, than cereal. I sometimes have eggs, but eggs take a long time to, to cook. One 
breakfast item that I don't have enough of because every time I eat it, I think it's amazing is yogurt and granola. Mm. Yogurt and granola together mm. are so good. But the problem is when you go to a nice buffet, like at the Shadow Laurier or something, they have the best granola, best yogurt, and then you go home and you try to make it and it's just not as good. And it's usually because the granola you buy is not as good. Well, I have found a great brand of granola. It is called Jordan's Granola. It's very common. I don't know why I'm making a big deal of this. It is a very common granola, Jordan's Granola. They have Simply simply Granola, Strawberry and Blueberry, even Organic Granola. They make Morning Crisp, if you've heard of Morning Crisp. Um, You can check them out uh, at your local grocery store. A lot of places sell it. Or you can find them online, uh, jordanscerealcanada.com. That's J-O-R-D-A-N-S-C-E-R-E-A-L-S, Canada.com. And we are back here talking with Jamie Patton about her journey and her and where her life has taken her over the years. Uh, we just heard all about this Jamaican startup, uh, and I, I love what happens. I love when the guest creates this nice narrative that just keeps going and even ends it at a nice appropriate point at the half hour mark where I can do my unpaid advertisements, which basically brings us to how Elspark happened, right? Yeah. So you had just started. You just talked about how uh, you from Canada. Um, mm. So were, you were still work like operations were still in Canada or Ottawa area, mm-hmm. and you were looking around. You're looking at Wesley Clover. Mm-hmm. What what specifically about Wesley Clover? Like, were you pursuing other companies or just Wesley Clover? No, I I don't know what it, I just maybe it's just me. I just when I have my mind set on something, it's that. And so to me, you know, Wesley Clover embodied a group of other entrepreneurs of other. Um, startup companies that were just at their early stages that I could kind of sink my teeth into again. And I knew in my gut, um, having just experienced the last four years in Jamaica, that that's what was I was so passionate about. It was in the building phase of a company. Right. Um, and I wasn't really wanting to leave that company for anything, anything. Just, um, you know, if the right business came about. So, um, I mean, I feel like a lot of uh, entrepreneurs are that way. Actually, yeah. they like to build a business, they like the building phase. Yeah. But after it's kind of on its two feet and running, it's not really for them anymore. They yeah. want to go build their next thing, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, I um, I had an amazing opportunity to work with Pat and Leo and Marco uh, and the rest of the team at Elspark um, as we, they were just getting off the ground. Um, to be frank, I I think I was a bit unnerved, intimidated coming into a completely different industry. Yeah. Um, I didn't really realize what I was getting myself into. But I was going to ask you, like, when you were applying to Wesley Clover, did you know, like, a, a role that you wanted? Or did you no. know? No. You just, like, somehow I'm going to work for Wesley Clover and, and, and Somehow some I just want to work in a business capacity, a business development or marketing, communications, branding um, capacity to contribute to another company, another business's growth from the early stages. Yeah. Um, uh, I, you know, I had researched the companies in the portfolio and I was really, um, excited and intrigued by, you know, the different technologies that they were building. Um, and, and you hadn't heard about Elspark but specifically Elspark at that point. Elspark wasn't yeah. yet. Um, and so, you know, Pat gave me a call and, and said, I, uh, I, you know, I'd love for you to come in. You know, I've got your multiple emails and calls. <laughs> um, we're, we're starting up an incubator accelerator, and uh, we'd love to chat with you about it. And did you know about incubators and accelerators at the time? Or? I Googled. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know it either. <laughs> what is an incubator? <laughs> 
<laughs> and then I went home and told my family, and they were like, you like babies? You're, you're going to start working with babies? <laughs> no. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I just, I sat down in the interview, and it was, you know, just this small room. If anyone, you know, has been into the the maze of Wesley Clover, there's offices without windows, some of them. And one of them, Pat, Leo, and Marco were all kind of just lined up ready to kind of fire questions at me uh, for this interview. And um, I don't know. Leo, and that's the first time you had met them. That's so, the yeah. first time I met them. Yeah. And, and Leo kind of described the, this vision of supporting entrepreneurs on their journey of building from the ground up or from a very early stage of revenue to, you know, exponential growth. And in the context of where I was coming from, that just, it just screamed, like music to my ears it was everything I could ever imagine and um I learned so much in working with them um of course as you know like Pat Leo and Marco they all have um years of experience in their fields in building um a variety of companies primarily tech um and so it's just you know it's just the right timing what uh, in that interview what were you selling like like, how are you selling yourself to them? Like, because again, you're going in. Uh, I just want to work for Wesley Clover. Yeah. Like, what, like well, what were you? I guess as a a, a marketing and communications professional, mm. but as a generalist with experience and I guess a bit of grit in uh, being able to dig in when the path is unknown uh, and and just build amongst a team that's also uh, excited about what could be right right so you have this interview and mm -hmm. did they kind of offer it to you right there or what what happened um following the interview pat called and yes uh it was pretty quick after that um but when we started we were just kind of starting with a vision and no real path right path, so. so so that's exciting because again yeah. you get to really get in again again the first time i walked in there it was just like completely empty yeah um so did you, I mean, in those early days, um, even before like the application started and the cohort started, um, like, did you kind of know what you were doing or did you have some ideas about what you wanted to do or was it a lot of figuring things out as you went? I just immersed myself in the tech community. Okay. I wanted to learn as much as I could about how, um, this this world worked in terms of you know all of these businesses supporting one another. Pat was amazing and you know helping to um, kind of show me the path of you know you should meet with this person or even Jenna Suds is at the Canada North BA and you know she's supporting a lot of the tech in Canada. Um, and I just was I just spent a lot of the early days um, creating context and and getting to know people and getting to know you know, different companies in the area, um, while also working with the team on, you know, figuring out what our value proposition was, articulating that, um, and, and opening up the applications uh, to attract some entrepreneurs into the first round of uh, cohorts. Yeah, well, I think one of the things I respect about Elspark and, and how you guys positioned yourself in the early days is uh, you were always... Um, like I heard this come from Pat's mouth a lot that you guys were always first to mention that you guys yourselves were a startup. Like mm -hmm. you guys were trying to figure things out. You guys wanted feedback in terms of how to kind of build things. When when you started there, um, was there things that you were focusing on specifically? Was it just like increasing applications? Was it just uh, defining like was there a clear definition about 
you know, who you're going after and things like that are like. We had mile, like mile, Leo had, of course, he had a vision and a plan for, you know, what it was that we were going to accomplish. Um, We had just closed on, um, you know, several millions of dollars of investment from the federal government. And, um, And so, you know, we had some timelines and milestones with which we needed to execute our cohorts. Um, and, and, you know, Marco and others, Leo had, have run programs like this in the past. And right. so it was really just about determining, you know, how we were going to build that, that, uh, brand and get the word out. Um, and so when we first started, we, I, you know, hit the ground running with, uh, you know, planning for our, um, applications for the selection process, um, and, and really just supporting the team and whatever needed to be done. Right. At, at that time, did you, uh, you know, was it, were you, were you nervous? I mean, mm. you talked about being intimidated a little bit. Nervous. I mean, how, how long did that feeling last? Mm, a little while. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's actually, I think, um, something that it's a learning lesson for me because I went in as I chased Wesley Clover down and went into the interview so confident and I, you know, I had no context for this world. So I just was, you know, this is, I've built this amazing business in Jamaica and I had so much experience and a lot of it translates for, uh, you know, entrepreneurs building a tech company and a software company. Um, but I was still young and not, um, secure enough to kind of, uh, just go for it in, um, the early days. So I, I think it, you know, it worked out though, because I also had a lot to learn. Um, one of the things though, that I really appreciated about Leo is that he always focused on the, on the best interest of the entrepreneurs first and very similar to what we were doing with Jamaica, you know, the customer was everything. And so, um, you know, that made it easy to, to build a program, to build a brand, to build events, to build a value proposition and an offering around because the focal point, the focus was always on our entrepreneur and our customer first. Well, that's interesting. Cause like I, I I was going to actually leads exactly to my next question about like, cause it seemed like your job, um, specifically, I mean, I know everybody works hard, obviously everybody in a startup wears multiple hats and and Mm. stuff. I feel like your job though, there, um, was very obviously multifaceted. Like mm. you were doing marketing, you were doing events, you were, you know, increasing applications, all this stuff, right? Mm. Um, was that all centered around, again, providing the entrepreneur's value? Or like, because when I looked at Elspark, it always seemed to me, and maybe just because I'm on the outside, um, it always seemed to me that it, you were kind of doing two things. One was, an accelerator Mm -hmm. and one was building up the tech community in Mm -hmm. Ottawa. Mm -hmm. Um, But was that secondary piece really part of serving the first piece or how did that, like why, why were, why were you guys spending so much effort and time on building that community in Ottawa or or was that just another passion of your guys? Mm, I think we focused on uh, building the community because that's, you know, at at the core of, uh, at the core of what we were doing, we were connecting people with experience um, with those that did not have the experience, had not walked the path yet. Um, and so, you know, the mentors, as an example, the partners, um, the VCs, they're um, all there 
to uh, connect with the entrepreneurs. And um, but uh, selfishly, they're all also there to network amongst themselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, part of it, you know, is the the offering uh, to the entrepreneurs were people. So how do you how do you really um, you know curate a group of people without kind of creating a common goal and a common yeah, ground yeah, yeah. and events um, or a platform them platform for them to share their knowledge um, and, and I think that's why we took the approach of of really building community um, at the beginning we also didn't have any brand awareness in the in the startup ecosystem um and so selfishly it was also about just you know getting the elspark name out there amongst entrepreneurs um and a lot of that um you know required us to to do things that were unselfish first you know like like host events with thought leaders um uh, and really build up same thing as at the spot, our credibility and, you know, our, our intrinsic value um, so that then, you know, when the entrepreneurs got to know us, they would understand that, you know, we are who we're friends with. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, you, you then, you know, obviously uh, proceed to to be there for four cohorts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I want to say I noticed it, but this might just be in retrospect, but it seemed like at some point... Uh, Jamie went from being this intimidated, kind of getting to know the tech community to <laughs> like, I own this, uh, get this done, get this, here we go. Yeah. You know, kind of, um, did you feel that in yourself? Like, yeah. like, did you, was there a point uh, or was there an event or something that led for you from being like, you know, I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I, I know this community and I'm a pretty big player. In this community. <laughs> Maybe not that far, but no. Um, I uh, I feel like it was just compounding. Yeah. Every event that we'd host, just or you know, every you know cohort that would come through would give me and I'm sure the rest of the team too, like the confidence to convey that you know that we I know what I'm doing, and so. Um, I think I just became more comfortable. The other thing is I had amazing mentors and leaders in Leo and Pat who were uh, very uh, much, you know, coaching me over that period of time, helping me to learn and um, to come out of my shell. So um, it just, it took time. Right, right. Um, What is it, what what is it do you think that you're most proud of, of, of that you built at Ellsberg? Um, the support that we provided our entrepreneurs in raising, you know, the, the capital that they did and uh, in creating a VC network that didn't exist in Ottawa before then. Um, we, we were able to really curate a group of um, investors uh, for our entrepreneurs to tap into. And that's not the, like the investment is like uh, the cherry on top. Um, and this is not the work I did, the work that, you know, Marco and Mike and Bob and others whom, um, whom were mentoring the companies, um, helping them to get to repeatable revenue and, and actually create some substance behind their companies um, was amazing as well. I mean, you talk, you talk a lot about the team, and I think that's very respectable, and you mm-hmm. talk about we. I'm curious if there was any personal things that you were proud of yourself that you kind of spearheaded or that you were proud SAS of. SAS North, okay. for sure. Yeah. Um, so SAS- let's talk about that. What, like, how did SAS North come to be? And 
it was a it, it was a blog initially that Lucy and I were following. Um, it was Lucy, I think, first that came across it, and um, at the time we were building up our thought leadership and trying, you know, to do what we could to, um, you know, curate a group of of blogs and looking to other sites for um, some direction. And uh, Saster came up as, of course, the, af- the f- at the forefront. Um, and the more I looked at it, the more I felt as though there was a gap in our community and our ecosystem as Canada's only software as a service accelerator um, building a community of, of corporate partners and VCs and uh, mentors and entrepreneurs, et cetera, you know, how could we not have an event like this here in Canada? Um, so I just started chipping away at a, uh, an idea. So that's crazy. I didn't, I didn't realize it was you who came up with the idea. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, pitched it to Leo and pitched it to Pat. Wow. And um, they sent me down to San Francisco to attend Saster. Yeah. I went to, I think it was the first Saster, first or second. Um, and as per Leo's usual um, style, he sent me down with, you know, come back with at least two people that could chair our steering committee and four speakers and an investor. <laughs> <laughs> Don't just enjoy your time no. and relax there. Um, but... Produce some results. A few others were there as well, and yeah. um, from Ottawa and from Canada, um, Alan Wiley from Clipfolio and Aiden Merze. And so, uh, while I was there, I was also pitching it to them and just trying to kind of get some substance behind it. And they were very excited at the prospect of uh, not just creating um, a conference in Ottawa that would, you know, have this kind of community behind it, yeah. but for Canada and right. to create that national um, mandate. And there really was nothing like this in Canada before. No. I mean, right. there there are other amazing events for startup entrepreneurs, Startup Fest in Montreal, right. and um, uh, there's another one on the West Coast, but nothing for software as a service companies. Okay. And Ottawa it, in and of itself is, you know, quickly becoming this hotbed for SaaS companies. Shopify um, was right at the cusp of going public at that time, and um, you know, we had a number of others. Well, Aiden had just exited um, to SurveyMonkey, yeah. another SaaS company. Clipfolio is on the rise, and so there was just a lot of really great momentum. And with the the entrepreneurs that were out here in Canada North, it just made a lot of sense. So, um, Saster is built um, on the. Uh, so Jason Lemkin is the founder, but his partner, Aaron Ross, um, in the event, uh, has written a number of books on predictable revenue and yeah. repeatable revenue, all of that. Um, and, uh, and so Aiden and I were down there, you know, pitching different people. He was really on board right from the beginning and supportive and helping us to get this thing off the ground. I mean, how did you, did you like literally just walk up to these people and be like, Hey, got this idea. Yeah. Yeah, we did. And it's funny because uh, at the time there was another uh, fellow there from Britain. His name's Alex Thuma. 
and um, he was doing the exact same thing for Over the print, UK. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and we were kind of mulling around the conference and um, just trying to build up a network so yeah. that we could bring some of these people back as speakers. So we pitched Aaron Ross while we were there at the event, and Aaron um, agreed to come to Ottawa um, to discuss uh, joining our initial steering committee and um, and and to speak at a, a kind of like a launch event. And um, and that kind of just was one kind of building block towards yeah. a lot of momentum. Um, yeah, so. That's crazy. I mean, I, I had no idea that you, you, you were the, like, founder, basically, of SAS North. Well, uh, amongst Leo and Pat and yeah, a, I mean, a number idea. of other people. But yeah, yeah. yeah. That's crazy. And, and so, I mean, what did it feel like when it actually launched and, and a quite successful launch? So the first year was was quite big. Right? It was amazing. Um, we brought on partners uh, in, in Q Business Media because yeah. we quickly realized... <laughs> Um, again, as per Leo's style, that the scale was like growing into something yeah. enormous. And so in the same way that he kind of uh, sent me on my way to San Francisco with these enormous goals, he also created, as soon as we came back with Aaron Ross, he was like, okay, let's set a date. It's, you know, March 30th of next year, and we're going to have a thousand people in Ottawa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that. I mean, how, how long was it between your San Francisco trip and the first South North? Um. It was so sorry. San Francisco trip was in February. Yeah, Aaron was here in the end of March, yeah. and then South North was in November. That same year. Yeah. So basically, from inception to a full plan thousand person yeah. conference, it's ridiculous. Was of ten months. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. and it was a big, impressive conference. It was, yeah, and it, I mean, we had been kind of. Um, the test was go to San Francisco. We yeah. had been planning things yeah, before, yeah, yeah, yeah. but there were no real, nothing really concrete. Right. Um, yeah. So, so it was important to us at that time, that, you know, once that big, hairy, audacious goal came into play and we were, um, you know, signing a pretty significant partnership with this Shaw Center that we bring in yeah. a partner that could execute um, and, and really give the conference the um, polish that it deserved and the, um, the planning and and just background um, expertise, mm -hmm. and and that's where the Cube team came in, um, and they, you know, they really they took it from the seed of an idea into a fully fledged event in business, yeah. uh, and you know it, they were incredible. They came in and. Um, if we had Aaron Ross in March, we they came in in April or May. Uh, we launched the website, everything in June, and they just hit the ground running with everything. Yeah. Um, and they have been now, you know, they, they drive it almost a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and they're amazing partners. As do you well. still, do you still go to it? Well, I was, I was, um, <laughs> uh, with a two week old last year. Um, but I'll be there next year yeah. or this year, I guess. And then, I mean, it's gotta be crazy. It's gotta be like, I mean, this is your, I mean, Forget the term. This was your baby. It was, uh, and and now it's running on its own two feet, and yeah. you're going to be attending. I know. Kind of sitting back, being like, I, I came up with this. Idea. I know. <laughs> so, I know. It's really cool. Yeah, that's really crazy. So, uh, I mean, that that's obviously a huge success, and I mean, you you experience a lot of obviously successes at Elspark. I mean, it was, it was pretty amazing to see the caliber of events that were happening. Um, you know, obviously we, we got involved in a small part of that and there was like a lot of like, I could see the escalation, right. Yeah. Which was really, really cool. And, mm -hmm. and 
and it's actually crazy to see what else Spark is now. Actually, all these different accelerators now, right? With the BlackBerry, yeah, you know, the IoT thing, and it's and it's really taken off. Um, but like we started this podcast, you you were looking for a new challenge, right? Um, yeah. Obviously, you had experience burnout, um, but then you know, even like you had hit a wall in terms of like where how you could personally grow and stuff. Yeah. And you decided to move on to your next challenge. So you've now moved on to Canada North, yeah. BA. Yeah. Uh, I keep calling it BIA. Was it BIA at one point? It was. Okay. It's BA now. Yeah. Business Association. Uh, I've never really understood how business associations work. Um, but what are you doing now? What is your what like what is your job exactly? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I am uh, really fortunate to have this amazing role in that I represent Canada's largest technology park and you know with over 500 technology companies here within Canada North, uh, our main goal is in you know supporting our member companies to attract talent to the region um, and to help their businesses thrive. Um, we are a, we are a marketing um, vehicle for them um, in you know a few different areas. Talent, as I mentioned, um, government relations, and um, you know, and just o- overall within the technology community in Canada, um, our goal over these next few years is to really like make a mark um, and put Canada North at the forefront of people's minds. So I, I Google or I searched on LinkedIn your official title, which is President and Executive Director. Yes, is that like um, you know you don't have to be modest here. Are, are you basically the head of Canada? <laughs> I am. Yeah. Okay. So what's that like though? I mean, you went from uh, you know uh, working for these two people who run Spotcom in Jamaica, and you know they were kind of the head and they were kind yeah. of building it. Yeah. Uh, you went to L Spark, obviously part of the inception of a lot of that thing, but you're still you know under the direction of Leo and of stuff course. like that. You're now moving into pretty much a lead position where it's really your call. You're you're determining a lot of the direction. You're determining where to spend efforts, and uh, you know with that comes the responsibility of of what happens. So, what is that like? I mean, I mean, you've been on maternity leave and you're coming back. Uh, is is there a pressure there? Is there an excitement there? Like, I think it's a mix of a, a lot of feelings when, when it comes to coming back from maternity leave. Sure, sure. Um, so I'll put that one aside for a sec. <laughs> uh, but I'm. It, extremely excited and grateful for the opportunity to lead. I think that's what I was um, ready for. Um, And I think my previous roles have prepared me for it. I know, you know, that the intricacies of building a business. And I've also now learned from some of the greatest in our technology community. Uh, And so I, I was time and I'm I'm just excited to be able to represent um, many more of the types of companies that were within the Spark portfolio at different scales um, because we have, you know, startup companies, um, Solink, for example, in Canada North. We have mid-sized companies, Solus Systems, and then we have our really large like Nokia, Ericsson, BlackBerry, QNX, um, contributing to like technology that's being built at the forefront of autonomous vehicles and connected vehicles, 5G, et cetera. Um, And so it's a learning curve. I'm always very transparent. You know, some people say you shouldn't say you don't know. Profess that. It's a a learning curve for me, of course, and I'm um, excited about that part. Um, But I'm also um, thrilled to be a part of this team 
And um, and I'm lucky to have a team here that I've experienced. Deborah uh, is a founding member of the Canada North Business Association. She worked with Jenna in the very early stages of, of growing this from, you know, this the seed of an idea into now what it is today. It's a, you know, relied upon resource from our business community. Um, and uh, and a very supportive board as well. Jenna's on my board, so okay. that makes things a little bit easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, she's just a wonderful person to work with, but also has the experience of being the executive director previous, um, and uh, and a number of other members from our business community who have contributed to our board. So they they help to shape and set the direction. Um, but at ultimately, I own the decisions now. So <laughs> there you go, there you go, uh, Jamie. Uh, early on in this conversation, we started talking about you know having these events in your life that can kind of shift your focus and shift your priority and stuff like that. Uh, you know, as you now kind of return from maternity leave and you're kind of going to a new position with a lot of exciting opportunity in your head uh, ahead of you, what uh, you know, what is your focus right now, and what is what are your goals kind of going forward? Um. I, I'm returning with a renewed perspective for sure. Uh, it's day one and, um, I, I will not, uh, sugarcoat things. I have very much enjoyed becoming a mom and being home with Brayden. Um, so that makes things bittersweet in coming back. Uh, but at the same time, I'm really excited to sink my teeth into, you know, the um, the things that I uh, set out to accomplish here. And, uh, and lucky for me, I have a husband who, you know, before baby, after baby is extremely supportive and he's home with him right now. <laughs> so uh, that just makes the transition a little bit easier. Uh, but it's just, you know, day by day and... Uh, uh, I think I've leaned in pretty well to the fear of the unknown and other circumstances in my life. So going into this new phase, it'll kind of be the same thing. Just kind of dive in. <laughs> awesome. Uh, listen, Jamie, uh, you know, I've said it before, but, uh, you know, we've had a long working relationship and a huge part of my enjoyment of working at Elspark was work getting to work with you. Thank you. Uh, you know, you were you were super considerate, super nice. Um, and at the same time, you got things done, you know, and you moved things forward and you helped us a lot. Like even everything from just a specific production standpoint, when you were helping us, uh, you know, deal with external parties to even just general demeanor and general business practices, how you conducted yourself was always, always a pleasure to work with you and super happy to catch up with you. I mean, it's been, been a very long time, so I'm very happy we were able to get this uh, together. So well, thanks for, you know, giving me this opportunity to share my story. It is so um, strange and winding, and I don't think you knew even a third of it beforehand, because <laughs> yeah. when would I have? Yeah. Anyways, thank you. I appreciate it. And um, likewise, it's always been a pleasure working with you as well, and I'm happy to see you continuing to grow and succeed with BiteSite. So. Great. Thanks so much. Yeah. All right, everybody. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email me at casey.lee at gmail.com or send me a tweet at caseylee23. You can also visit our website at www.caseylee.com slash podcast. Casey Talks to People is currently hosted on Anchor.fm and distributed to all your favorite platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and leave reviews if you can. You can even leave 
a voice message on our website. Don't forget to check out I Believe in Your Victory by This Will Destroy You. It is a great track. But as for now, that is it for episode 23 on September 15th, 2019. Casey talks to Jamie Patton. We only got one more left in season one, guys. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you guys in the next one.